Hi, I'm Addie. And I'm Kat, and you're listening to Club Dead, our amazing True Blood rewatch podcast, where we bring you all of our incredible insights about HBO's magical TV series True Blood. How was that for an intro? <laughs> that was great. That was that was brilliant. No, I love it. I'm mixing it up, you know? You are. It is magical. There is magic involved. Eventually. Well, Bon, bon, bon Tapes is like magic. There's, there's love in the air. We're up to that point where love's in the air. Love is in the air. Well, this episode is called Sparks Fly Out. Sorry. But before we, get, before we get into meeting. the Sorry. double meeting, no, before we get into the episode, we have to we have to talk about the fact. We, I I love this. I love this so much, and you didn't know this until this week. No, no I did not. Snoop Dogg wrote a love rap for Suki for Suki Stackhouse. <sighs> And I I love it. I found out about this thing when like True Blood first came out because my friend Amy had, who I've mentioned previously on the podcast, um, had sent it to me. And I was like just researching stuff for the pod uh, for for this for the podcast. And I sent it to her, being like, "Hey, quite reminded that this exists." And she's like, "Oh my god, I forgot!" And then I sent it to you, and you're like, "Wait, this is what? a thing." I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I like and I and it's so good. good. It's so good. Um, we're gonna play you a snippet. Let me get in your head. Oh, sucky. But we can lay in the bed. Oh, sucky. Choose a player like me. Do it in the daytime with the Deagle Double G. Uh, it's, yes, it's so, it's so catchy. It's so catchy. And then you go and watch a film clip, which I have I've put on our Twitter. And the Suki Stackhouse dancers <laughs> and just dancing in these really horrible, like, party house wigs that would have cost, like, ten bucks. They've just been thrown into ponytails. But, like, the it's – so it comes from the fact that Snoop Dogg is a fangbanger. He, he is a self-admitted True Blood fan. And back when it happened, um, he was, like – tweeting out at the producers and stuff like that being like hey true blood get at me <laughs> um and the lyrics are like oh suki let me get in your head oh suki we can lay in your bed oh suki she's a player like me do it in the daytime with the d-o-double-g and it's so good <laughs> i love your enthusiasm for this song <sighs> man i i have like this unironic love for snoop dog like just some of the stuff he does is so good but did you know he also like they they just wouldn't let him be on True Blood? I mean, th- would he be a vampire like smoking blunts? I would love to. I would love to see that. There's this moment where a character later is like much much later in the series is like smoking a cigarette, and they just do the entire cigarette in like one breath. Oh, that's cool. So I just imagine uh, Snoop Dogg as a vampire with the world's biggest blunt. Doing that. Doing that. He's in a lowrider. He's in the Merlot's, like, car park just trying to pick up. He's got a true blood there. And he's just got a blunt. He's just... But the worst part is you can't get drunk because I think you metabolise alcohol differently. Yeah. So I can't imagine you get high either. Yeah, you couldn't get high. Sorry, Snoop Dogg. So according to an article on sci-fi from, like, 2012, um, apparently he wanted to be on the um, show from the beginning. According to Sam Tyrell, who plays Sam a lot, 
Um, but he says, I don't think Alan Ball was going to let that happen. Having such a high, pro- high profile person appear in the show, I think would take us all out of Bond Temps. It doesn't, he doesn't need to cast Snoop Dogg to get people to watch, but we're glad he watches the show though. Yeah, which is fair. Which is fair, but I just love this is, this is a thing. And it's not something that happens in like other TV shows. No, not at all. And it, it wouldn't occur a lot, especially Snoop Dogg either to be like, hey, um, I want to be on the show, but I also want to write a tribute to Sookie Stackhouse. Well, the reason the reason I sent it, one of the reasons I sent it to you was like I was researching it, but I was also watching like Pitch Perfect Two, <laughs> and he's in Pitch Perfect Two doing like, yeah. Christmas carols. Yeah. And I'm oh, like, oh so right, great. he did that, and like he does like he did like a a, a Pepsi promotion where he read um, it was the night before Christmas. Oh yeah. I love Snoop Dogg. I love Snoop Dogg. What's he doing at the moment? The menu log ads. Oh god. (laughs) Uh the song is still stuck in my head though. (laughs) What's he what's he up to? What's he up to at the moment? What are you doing, Snoop Dogg? What are you doing, Snoop Dogg? You wanna come on our podcast? We'll let we'll let you be on our podcast. We'll let you. You're allowed. You you are a hundred percent allowed. Absolutely. Um, so who wants to tweet this at Snoop Dogg? <laughs> I'm going to tweet Snoop Dogg. <laughs> tweet Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Just retweet it a million times. Um, I wanted to bring up something really cool over okay. uh, from E3. Okay. Uh, the announcement of the upcoming vampire release by, I think it's Bethesda? Oh, no, Arcane Studios, sorry. Uh, yeah. Redfall. Yes. Um, I want to play as the vampires. I always want to play as vampires. I don't want to play as the vampire hunters. They look cool and badass and stuff, but I can I play as the vampire is my question. I When I'm playing like Skyrim and stuff like that, I always like have a split between wanting to play as like the werewolves and wanting to play as the vampires. Yeah. Vampires are just more interesting. And the, and the vampires in Redfall look really interesting. Yeah, I'm like I'm reading into it now. I didn't I didn't pay too much attention to E3. Mm. Now that I'm sort of out of the industry, I'm like I don't have to get up at the stupid <laughs> o'clock to do anything. Oh no, I watched a rerun. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, not go, I'm not getting up at stupid o'clock. But um, it's rather interesting. It's kind of like a Left for Dead style game. Yeah, uh, it looks kind of like um, Dead by Daylight, Left for Dead, that kind of thing. So yeah. it looks really cool. Yeah, we might we might have to figure something out that we can do with that. That'll be fun. Yeah, I reckon that'll be really cool. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it for intro um, stuff. Intro stuff. <laughs> Excellent. Stuff. All right. Um, well, can I just mention that I really liked um, how True Blood picks up their last episode with the new episode. I really appreciate the way they do that. It's yeah. like an immediate thing. It's not. <laughs> It's not like a, hey, in the last episode, this happened. It is a, in the last episode, this is where we left off. In this episode, it is exactly right here. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah. Just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Okay. So this episode, like you said, is Sparks Fly Out. Uh, The synopsis is Suki tells Bill that she won't be seeing him anymore. Bill keeps his promise to Suki's gran to speak at the monthly meeting of the Descendants of the Glorious Dead. Yeah. So we get to find out a little bit more about Bill. We get to see the descendants of the well, finally get to see a descendants of the glorious dead meeting. Um and we get some conflict between Suki and Bill again. Yeah. 
and it kicks off right at the start when Bill yeah. is dropping Sookie home after their run-in with the police officers police officer that we discussed um last episode so basically she's saying that um this life isn't good threatening police officers isn't good having orgies isn't good i don't know what planet she lives on um (laughs) i love that this episode starts with the throat singing again oh yeah (laughs) It it's, just rocks um, up and, and it's just throat singing and nothing nothing cuts the tension of I manipulated a police officer into giving him giving me his weapon and by hypnotizing him, like throat singing. Throat singing. My words are all over the place. And it was Tuvan throat singing. Tuvan, that's the one. Because Suki throws out some quite casual racism. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, well, we won't bring that up. No. But no, like Suki. So I, I'm reevaluating kind of where we left the last episode. Yes. So they're trying to once again raise this sort of Black Lives Matter issue of, you know, because Bill sort of brings up the issue of we've had this conflict with police officers for a very long time. You don't understand what it's like, that kind of thing. I can't figure out if this is really, really brilliant that they're adding it to a white person or if it is just completely whitewashing the thing. Because it's like yeah. it's kind of spinning it on its head, doing it, in, I just, I can't figure it out because he's also a confederate. Um, like so I said it's last adding, episode. It, it's adding we... all of those things of like, he's, he's the reason, one of the reasons why black people have had such a poor upbringing and poor history and that kind of thing. So it's yeah. kind of spinning it up. I can't figure out if it's really, really brilliant or really, really terrible. And I'm kind of leaning towards terrible. Uh, really terrible. Remember last episode I said that um, we've got to remember that even though they're using vampires as this, um, you know, motif and symbolism for racism happening in the South, uh, the fact that Bill is white and then talking about his experiences with police as if he would ever experience the same thing as a black person would. Mm. And so I think when we go into things like this, uh, it's just good to remember, hey, uh, I don't think it was done very well. That yeah, they're trying I- to turn a black ex- a, you know exclusively like black and poc issue mm. in and applying it to a white character yeah i can i can like again i understand where they're coming from and especially adding yeah. like that issue of confederacy and all that kind of stuff and i was like i was thinking about it this week and i'm like do i understand it to the point where i can like forgive it or do i just hate it and i'm trying to like let it work for the sake of the series yeah, uh, look, I don't think it happens that much throughout the series. No, I and I think remember. it. I think it definitely it. gets. <laughs> I think it definitely gets better when they engage more with their like characters of color. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting point that I have apparently written in my notes. Yeah, I think it's poorly <laughs> executed. They could have talked about it without using language that describes exclusive experiences to directly minorities. correlating it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Um, um Suki raises some really valid concerns about Bill's behavior. Um, yeah. and then Bill sort of says, You can't be frightened of everything you don't know in this world. Um, which is like a really fair point. She's now her world is like rapidly expanding. Yeah, and she does say that. She says, Well, my world's opening up mighty fast, and what I got here may be boring, but it's safe. And over the past couple of nights, sounds safe. Safe sounds pretty good right about now. And I feel like this episode runs with that theme of safety. Yes, definitely. Like everybody sort of retracts into, excuse me, into their, like just under their like safety blankets kind of thing. They've all got sort of that kind of, 
that feeling. Yeah, and and I like I like that discussion because there's a lot of discussion about what does safe mean and um, how do I respect other people's safety. Yeah, exactly. And like Bill's talking about like he sort of again feels like he's gaslighting her a little bit and is saying yes. like <laughs> like you know just because this happened doesn't mean you have to be scared of it. But I also don't think that Suki had watching a potential lover use their superhuman powers to manipulate their way out of a speeding ticket like that. I don't think that's what she had in mind. No. And, um, yeah, and the fact that he's like, I won't call you again. And I was like, no, I've had boyfriends say that shit when we've broken up before. It's so manipulative. It's so manipulative. And, like, I like that she's like, I can get this door myself. You need to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, just go. Just go. Get out of here. Um, this is probably my favourite scene. In- oh, because Lafayette Laf- has a visitor, which will go entirely well and, like, straightforward because it's Tara. And Tara's, not, and Tara's not mad about anything that's just happened in the last 24 hours. No. So she bur- she just knocks at the door and then, like, freaking bursts into the house about him dealing V. And I love that she's just grabbing all this shit off his, like, mantelpiece and throwing it at him. (laughs) My friend and I were having this discussion about, like, minimalism, and I'm like, I can see why embracing minimalism would be a good idea for Lafayette. It's so that, like, Tara can't just hurl things at him. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure he gets a baseball bat out and mentions something about how he, um... It was all state and, like, varsity or something like that. Yeah, in high school. He's just so (laughs) casually just batting things away. He's like, let's go. Bitch, um, I will end you. And so she's yelling at him about it and saying that giving Jason V is like giving ho hos to a diabetic. I don't like the way that Tara is trying to put the responsibility back on Lafayette. Yes, it's totally irresponsible. Well, I mean, like selling drugs is irresponsible. Yes. But Lafayette did specifically say you need one drop to max. Yes. Jason downed the whole bottle. Not Lafayette's problem. <laughs> not Lafayette's problem. It is not Lafayette's problem that Jason is dumb. Like, also, I think this is just the cotton wool over Tara's eyes because of um, this. Like, ugh. she's holding. She's holding a flame for Jason. She wants to protect him. Yeah. So um, she's like, I'm not going to admit that Jason's the bad person here. Yeah, and I don't like the fact she's doing that to scapegoat Lafayette. Yeah. Like. Jason has three brain cells and they're like two brain cells and they're competing for third. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Lafayette is not the villain here. Lafayette no. is Lafayette. And he openly admits that he is doing what he can to yeah. get by. He's working two legal jobs. He's got another couple of side gigs going on. It is not his fault that Jason is dumb and does not know how to work, like use drugs responsibly. And there is a way to use drugs responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he, told jason what to do exactly Uh, and he will again tell jason what to do in this episode um so uh the scene changes over to gran on the phone to somebody who's ranting about jason and sookie hanging out with vampires (laughs) and del stackhouse has worked in retail it's canon (laughs) (laughs) customer service (laughs) the way she handles this phone call it's like it's canon she's worked in a call center she has taken these abuse because the, the person on the phone is like, you're going to hell. And Adele Stackhouse is like, okay, see you there. Maybe you should just come and listen and see, you know, hear what he has to say. Yeah. She's like trying to keep an open mind to everybody. And everybody's like, nah, get fucked, bitch. And she's like, okay, you, you, you first. <laughs> yeah, you first. 
Um, Suki comes in and Gran tells her that everyone is excited for the town meeting with the vampire Bill. Um, and Adele says, he seems like a very nice man. Suki says, he's not. And Adele, <laughs> no. he's not a man. Suki says, or uh, he's not nice. And Suki says, or a man. And so um, Suki's explaining to her that she doesn't think that they have anything in common anymore and that vampires just don't think the way that humans do. And this obviously, you know, is reflecting on her concept of safety and obviously Bill doesn't think, you know, they're, they're, they have conflicting ideas of what is safe and appropriate. I think it's also a very blunt it's just this very blunt explanation because I have I think spoken previously about like all the magic in the world like trying to explain why Suki can't hear his thoughts and just because he doesn't think he doesn't have brainwaves I think she's also like just pointing at that is that it's just like I can't hear his thoughts that's not safe for me I'm used to just being able to hear everybody and that has become her safety blanket of being able to protect herself so yeah she can't hear him is like this big red flag and then it's ticking off all these other bits of like he's not human he's not alive he's not this he's not that whereas like she could quite easily go and have a date with sam merlot foreshadowing um (laughs) and you know get everything she needs from a relationship yeah exactly and i kind of feel for suki in this way because i think we've all been at that point in a relationship where it's like i just don't think they're for me i hate dating Oh, I've been, well, uh, when, after this episode comes out, a week later is my six-year anniversary. Jason and I will have been together seven years this year. Nice. Six, six years, seven years? A, a, an Just age. Time. An a age. while. More, more than half a decade. Um, <laughs> and honest to God, I don't think I could, like, if anything happened, I would just remain single I, I just want to date do it. again. I just I keep telling Jason we're not getting divorced. We put too much money into the uh, into the wedding. <laughs> it's too expensive <laughs> to get divorced. I just I'm too socially awkward. And I met Ned, and on our first date, I talked about the way that I like potato cooked, and he didn't <laughs> think I was weird. So I love that because I refer to myself as a potato gem. Oh. My other friend refers to himself as potato smileys. I love it. We we're just talking about. <laughs> Because uh, I said to my best friend, I was like, what can I talk about on the date? And she's like, don't talk about anything. Don't talk about potatoes. <laughs> and you were like, yes. Potato. So I brought it up and I was like, because uh, Ned and Brooke know each other um, before I knew Ned. And I mentioned to Ned, oh, Brooke told me not to talk about potatoes. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, don't talk about how you like potatoes cooked. And so, of course, the conversation went to how we like potatoes cooked. Potatoes cooked. And six years later, we're still together. So talk <laughs> about the weird shit. And cooking your potatoes how you like them. I like mashed potatoes. Oh, dude, see, again, potato gems, especially like crispy ones. Oh, I like I them like, soft. No, see, because I like them crispy and then they've got the nice soft inside. It's a nice texture match. This oh. is a true blood podcast on anyway, a potato podcast. <laughs> that's for another podcast. <laughs> that's that's our next, next podcast. <laughs> We're just writing this on the podcast. I don't know. What was the other one? I can't remember. Right, it's in last week's episode. It'll be there somewhere. <laughs> It was a medical one about all the shit you could do to a penis. <laughs> Probably, I wouldn't which, which is what, which will, which is what will happen when we become single spinsters. Uh, we'll become doctors. Yeah, <laughs> I will finally get my medical degree. No one, don't, don't anybody let me be a doctor. <laughs> I don't nobody, have the attention span. Nobody hold us to that. I'm not good enough at math. Oh, me neither. Yeah, no, nah, me neither. I'll just fake it. Um. <laughs> Please prescribe 300 grams of morphine. 
300 litres of morphine. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. We're going to get fucked. <laughs> We're going to get fucked. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so we go over to Jason and Lafayette who are oh, together. God. Oh, God. In the kitchen over oh, at Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. You, you okay? This is this is the sausage demonstration. <laughs> Good old snag demo. Um, so Jason is explaining what happened to him in great detail with a meat thermometer and a sausage. A raw sausage. Speaking of things you could do to a penis, he's trying to explain to Lafayette the honestly traumatizing thing that happened to him like the night before. And he says to Lafayette, you, you broke me. No, no sedation, no general anesthetic or something along those lines. Um, and this is where Lafayette says to him, they're talking about safe drug use. Yeah. And um, and what I find really interesting about them using V is that during this period was the start of the opioid epidemic in America. Oh, yeah. And so the fact that they're talking about addiction and safe drug use, I think, is really important, um, especially because, yeah, the country was just... I don't, I'm not too sure if just starting or it was, you know, pretty... In, in the midst of it, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's even worse now. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries on this stuff. <laughs> I find it very interesting. And... I, I love this scene because I love the juxtaposition between Lafayette and what um, the bartender at Fantasia says. So... Yes. So, one, Lafayette absolutely successfully sold Kirby vacuums in a past life. Um, because he says he he like he sets up this whole scene and he gets out the the cooler of vampire blood and he holds up the vial to Jason. He's like, "This is the life force of a vampire. They're just blood in the skin casing. Ain't a whole lot of difference between a vampire boot and a boot in sausage, except the blood. Our blood sustains life. This blood is life. Yeah. One drop is all you need. Can't be greedy." Billions of pure, uh, billions of molecules of pure, undiluted twenty-four carat life. Whereas the bartender at Fantasia was like, "This one wanted to die. Everyone who comes in here wants to, in their own way. That's what we are, death." Yeah. So Whereas it's just really don't see them that way. No, it's this really cool juxtaposition of like humans seeing their blood as life and vampires seeing themselves as death. Yeah. And like it was just something that I sort of picked up and I went, "Hey, that's kind of nifty." Yeah, yeah, it is a really interesting juxtaposition because you're just like, oh, this is a real, it's very symbolic for the meaning of life also because Lafayette goes into talking about how they um, take a piece of the vampire it came from as well. Yeah, and he's describing the vampire that like he was, he'd, he'd, they'd taken the blood from him. He's like, oh, you know, he's strong and he's young and he's wild. And I can feel my muscles getting like stronger but you know when you take it you might have a different experience yeah. which is something i've experienced when having any drug um mm. i only take legal drugs for reference um or for any uh, australian federal police member listening um, i haven't taken drugs in 10 years <laughs> i only take the ones prescribed by my doctor um but you know like if you drink alcohol you might have a, a, a yeah. reaction different to somebody else if you have a brownie made by made by a friend you might have a different reaction to somebody else you're always going to have a different reaction to somebody else jason's reaction to this is hilarious he has a really good time um he has a great we, time when we go into this i will actually 
I will tell you about my first uh, psychedelic trip. <gasps> Never had psychedelics. Ooh, good fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was very adventurous back in the day. <laughs> I remember the first time I ever spoke pot, I was in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. That'd be a bit different so, to hear. So so where it was completely illegal, and I remember having this joint, and my friend comes up to me, he's like, here's how this, and I coughed. Oh, yeah. I had it, and I coughed, and I, I, I couldn't ever smoke, because like, I can't smoke cigarettes, I can't do any of that. So it was just like, okay, cool, I need to find a different way to do this. Give me all the brownies. Yeah, boy. Um. Anyway. <laughs> we're over Merlots and Sookie is telling Arlene that she's going she's not going out with Bill anymore and Sam is eavesdropping and absolutely bitch. fucking Carpe DMs the debt. Carpe M <laughs> Car- Carpe Carpe's the DM. Carpe's the DM <laughs> and asks Sookie to go out on a date with him um to the descendants of the glorious dead that night. Obviously she's gonna say yes because of the pressure, because Sam has asked her in front of everybody sitting at the bar. They are watching like it is days of our fucking lives. How rude. He and how he's like, you better say yes. Fuck off. Yeah, so honestly, like the way he does it, I can understand why. I don't approve of it, but I can understand why. Um to save I, himself from rejection. Oh, and you know he's like one of those guys who like gets rejected. Well, because we know that Sam's been rejected by Suki before, and he keeps coming back to it. <laughs> because like, remember it was last episode or the episode before he was like, "You can listen to my, you can listen to my thoughts." And Suki's like, mm-mm, "No, thank you." Mm, just cutting that. Yeah, just just stopping that where it is. <laughs> um, but I think I can understand why Suki would do this, even if it's just yeah. a rebound. She's like, "No, I'm gonna." Get Bill out of my system. I'm going to go on this date with a man who can wear a pair of jeans like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to get, like, I, it's something she's probably thought about. She might have fantasized about it previously because Sam is not an unattractive man. No, not at like, all. In a series of people who look damn good, Sam is not an unattractive man. I feel like I'd think he was rather more attractive if he never opened his mouth and said anything manipulative or just out of line. Honestly, you had me if he never said anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just wear them jeans, boy. <laughs> that's, that's it. Like that's, all he needs to do is serve me drinks and wear jeans. Oh, that's it. I don't sweet. need. I don't need anything else. I am. I promise. I'm not. We don't shallow. want anything else from you, Sam. No, that's um, it. Because everything else is manipulative bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, the men throughout this get, uh, you know, pretty fucked up when it comes to the manipulative things and i'd hate to think that while i was watching this as a teenager that i was like oh that means he really loves me oh but we 100 percent did because twilight oh, totally happened did. oh yeah well, I forgot twilight about that. happened. remember and we romanticized an abusive relationship uh, <laughs> we romanticized a whole bunch of abusive relationships because it was what we were told oh it's so strange because now i like i still love twilight but i know how bad it is dude that's that those movies had a Banging soundtrack. Oh, so good. I think we talked about this last week. We did. We did. <laughs> bad, bad media, banging soundtrack. Oh, I feel like that's really common. It is. It is 100% common. Um, Fuck. And then um, Suki goes and gives Andy Belfler, bless Andy. Andy, Andy is one of the standouts in this that I feel like doesn't get super manipulative. Yeah, he he's kind he of doesn't like a have... flower, isn't he? Bless him, he's like, he's just so genuine. 
But yeah. I feel like I'm measuring that against just a whole bunch of assholes. So maybe he just meets the bare, bare minimum. minimum. Yeah. He just meets the bare minimum requirement. I'm like tripping over like my very low expectation. You're like, oh, Andy, you're the best. But then it's like, because he's up against like all these other people that are just. Yeah, he's, he's, up. Up, he's up against two really manipulative vampires and then a shifter who just asked Suki out in front of everybody so she couldn't say no. Yeah. Um, Yikes. And, and Jason Stackhouse. Who needs no explanation? Yeah. Um, so Andy Belfour um, says, "Oh, you know, love is in the air," and so he's just kind of like, it's "Just oh. kind of a date. I don't like. It's not that serious. Like, don't be weird. Yes, yeah, weird, Andy. Don't be weird. Don't make this weird. But it's kind of it's. I think everybody kind of, and not to use really weeby language, I think everybody in Bonton has probably shipped." Suki and Sam together. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, she's she's the Southern Belle. He's like the the local sort of bar owner, and he's like this big sort of businessman in Bontemps. So like, they've probably like thought about them together, and that's who they want to end up together. Yeah, because he's kind of like that Southern gentleman. Well, not yeah. gentleman, but that Southern guy. You know, a, mo- a modern a modern Southern gentleman. Yeah, not necessarily like nineteen fifties where. You know, you would Bill. secretly abuse your wife, um, or no. you would just abuse your wife. In, yeah, exactly, Bill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although, to his credit, he never abused his wife that we know yes, of. We don't know that. Um, but like, he's a he's a modern Southern gentleman. He, you know, is progressive, but he still has Southern values and that yeah. kind of stuff. So it's that nice middle ground for everybody. Yes, yeah. Um, but I love that he Suki hears um, Andy talking in his head about Tara and Jason. Yes. And uh, basically it confirms these suspicions that he had that Tara was lying. Um, and, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he said something and Suki tells him to watch his mouth. And um, uh, I think he's I think he's talking about how um, he calls her a liar or something yeah. like that. I didn't write the quote, so I'm like, damn it. <laughs> um, and then, so, like, Andy, Andy's, like, talking in his head and Suki says, like, you watch your mouth and he's like, holy shit, I didn't say that out loud. Like, you can't actually read thoughts. Yeah. And that gets a little bit weird for him too. Yes, because Suki goes to find Tara, who tells her that she gave Jason an alibi. Tara's really mad for somebody who's lying to the police. Yeah. She's really mad at Suki. Yeah. So this is where I start to not like Tara as a character. Yeah. Um, I feel like she uses her upbringing and her abuse as a reason to lash out and be an asshole. Yeah. And as somebody who is mentally ill, has had a rough upbringing, and is an asshole, the latter is not because of the former's. Yeah. It's being being raised by an alcoholic mother who throws bottles at her and all that kind of stuff is not an excuse for Tara to act like an asshole. Yeah. She needs to accept that her upbringing, yes, has shaped her, but she has the power to change that. And every time she has these interactions with people, she just kind of lashes out Mm. and isn't accepting responsibility. I feel like that she's just very poorly written in this season. um, Yeah. She gets so good so much later. Yeah. I I love her in the the, uh, subsequent seasons. But in this season, like, she's just so aggressive and they make it all look like it's because of trauma. 
where someone who like I have uh what's you know complex PTSD and I am not an asshole I'm not aggressive see Uh, I openly admit I'm an asshole but it's just because I'm an asshole not because of anything else (laughs) not because of anything else (laughs) um I'm just an adult in the 21st century who's disillusioned with the way the world works oh yeah Um, I'm catching up don't worry but yeah, like Tara, Tara uses a lot of her upbringing as an excuse to be an asshole, and I hate the way she's written because she has so much potential. Yes, and I'm glad they kind of let that go after this she, season. She gets really good season two, and then her subsequent storylines get really, really good. Yeah, yeah. She's. I'm so glad that maybe they got a new character development writer for her. <laughs> I really hope so because she she. <laughs> It's really weird because they have like this time skip at the end of season three to kind of yeah. figure some things out. And it's night and day. Tara Tara at the end of season three versus Tara at the beginning of season four is night and day. It's it's yeah. intense. But there's also a storyline for that as well. So Yeah, which is really well set up as well. Mm-hmm. Um so Suki tries to listen in to Tara because she thinks that there's something she's not telling her and Tara <laughs> is and uh Tara leaves screaming at well yelling at Sam to tell her tell just, him to keep her the fuck away from me. Yeah. Um, Again, just lashing out for no reason. Yeah, it's just like, wow, that's super aggressive. Those kinds of people scare me. Um but that's because of my own Agreed. Agreed. People <laughs> um, are scary. Suki goes back out to Andy and tries to resell the whole Tara and Jason concept. Who knows that Suki is lying? And she tells him if um, this is when she says, you know, if you're going to accuse me of lying, at least say it out loud. Which is entirely true. The look on his face is priceless. I love the guy who plays Andy Belfort yeah. because he does such good facial expressions. Yes, he's just like looks so dumb. He's like, what? He does. He does that dumbfounded, confused look so well. And you're just like, you okay? <laughs> especially, especially like in the next season where it's just. <laughs> I love him in season two because he's... he's so good in season two. He's like pig, <laughs> pig. He's so good. I'm just thinking about the characters that I really like throughout the rest they of the season. They don't come in until like season two, season three. Yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying. Um, um so yeah, like every all these things are sort of happening in the bar and Suki's again, like you said, trying to resell this thing. She's like, Oh, you know, like Jason and Tara have kind of been sneaking around and all this kind of stuff. And Andy's mm. just like, nah, you lying. But he's like thinking it. He's like He's really telling. She's just like, I'm not having this shit. Fuck off. But I, I like that she's really super comfortable telling Andy that. Well, everybody thinks she's crazy anyway. But so... he doesn't. And I love no, that. Well, she he's always sort of believed that she was something extra, but never sort of really believed that she was crazy. So she was always just like, I'm going to embrace this yeah. persona of myself because nobody's going to believe me anyway. So why wouldn't I just? She does. It's so great. Oh, Andy. Oh, Andy. Um, so we fast forward to that evening and they're at the local church for the meeting of the descendants of the glorious dead featuring bill so the town (laughs) is waiting for him to arrive and we see renee and arlene with their two children the mayor bud and andy bud who is in his entire police outfit um sookie and sam arrive and they come in and sit down next to tara (laughs) vaccine (laughs) Is at the front of the church on the pulpit, 
trying to take down the cross because they don't want the vampire to go up in flames. So and honestly, it's my favourite thing. She's trying so hard to take down that cross. But I love that she's like, if he sizzles up like bacon, <laughs> I'm just like... Yeah, she's like, Hoy, get up here and help me with this thing. And, and he's Hoy's... like, talking about how he needs a jackhammer or something. it's like, what are you doing? No, mum. And this is like the only time I've ever seen or you ever really see Maxine Vaughton very sympathetic to a vampire. Yeah. And it's when she's trying to literally dis- dismantle the church. <laughs> um, there's a few, like we, we see the, um, the flag going around and like um, Bud being in his uniform, he brings up safety again, wanting to keep people safe. And that's why he's in his uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of like middle eight, like not like mid twenties, and one of them says, "More like the descendants of the Walking Dead," because so, of all the old people in there. <laughs> those are those are the rednecks who will come up later, who we yes. have mentioned in previous. Yeah. These guys are my favorite in this scene because they try to weaponize garlic. <laughs> yeah, they've got the garlic crusher out. <laughs> you fuck you, dead guy, and they just like crush garlic oh, in his direction. So bad. Um, and but, also, as Sookie is sitting down, Sam says to her, "Sit back and relax." And she says, "I thought I was." And, he and Sam's says, like, "You don't, I don't know how to relax. relax. Fuck off, Sam. Fuck off." My, they, they, they're sitting there, no, they're sitting there talking about Bill, like, while he's in the back room. He is sitting there like a psychopath. Yeah. He is, he is not moving. He is not blinking. Somebody switched him off. He is a robot. Chucky doll. He is. It's terrifying. Um, and it kind of brings back that, that point of like, what Suki was talking about before of like not having much in common. She wants somebody like a little bit more lively because still Bill is sitting there like he is goddamn dead. Did you say like, she wanted someone more lively? And then she went and dated Sam. Sam. He's fucking dead, Addy. What do you want? Fuck, is this a, what the fuck is this show about? <laughs> what do you mean? What the fuck is this show about? Who are you? Where am I? What's going on? What year is it? I love saying that. I just had to, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Um, but yeah, I was, I've was. i made a comment about how everyone talks down to Suki, and you see that in this episode, especially with Sam. Sam talks down to Suki like she needs to be protected and cared for, and she's not this autonomous being at all. I feel like that comes back to the Southern values, though. Yeah, and it does. Like men being, men being the leader of the household and that kind of thing of, like, Suki, Suki being like perceived as fragile so he has to protect her Mm. um i don't like it he deserves an elbow to the face for it yes um but like i i can see why the characterization went that way i just hate sam i just i can't i can't stand him he gets better in later seasons but even that's like bottom of the barrel low expectations bare minimum requirements don't have very high expectations for him um god's divine will means the cross stays Yes, and so they just cover it in a flag. It's cover it in all glory. Yeah, just cover it, don't worry. Um, Grant introduces Bill, uh, saying that his family was one of the first to settle in Bon Tomps, and out comes Bill. And the first thing he does is take down the flag exposing the cross and tells them that vampires don't burn up from religious artifacts. Which, honestly, there goes my only excuse to not go into a church. I know. <laughs> just like, but, <laughs> So I have this running joke with my sister that we're the spawn of Satan. And so that's oh, why babe, we can't go in a church. Oh. 
this we is are, awkward. We have, we have come up to the fact that we are lost long siblings. So. We are. We're just lost long siblings. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So we're we're yeah. That's my reason I don't go into a church. Actually, what's really funny is um when I was like ten, I had to go to my god sister's uh baptism. What's it for Catholic? Naming day, christening. I don't know. Christening or baptism? The and one where they dunk the they they, they try they and dunk a baby. Ju- they drown a baby. And the dad, the the grandfather, which is my dad's best friend's dad, mm-hmm. looked yep. at my sister and I, and he's like, "Are you sure you two won't burn up when you walk in here?" <laughs> Just a little conversation with like my bosses at work today. Actually, I was like, probably. One of my favorite parts about this is that um, Adele wasn't expecting so many people at the Descendants of the Glorious Dead, and she's like. I have been assured that there's going to be enough ambrosia for all. I didn't know what ambrosia was. So oh, what is again, it? Ambrosia is an American variety of fruit salad. Most ambrosia recipes contained canned, often sweetened, or fresh pineapple, canned mandarin sli- uh, orange slices or fresh orange sections, miniature marshmallows, and coconut. Other ingredients might include various fruits and nuts, maraschino cherries, bananas, strawberries, peeled grapes, or pro- uh, crushed pecans or pecans, depending on where you're from. Ambrosia may also include mayonnaise. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Or dairy ingredients, whipped cream or whipped topping, sour cream, cream cheese, pudding, yogurt, or even cottage cheese. I'm sorry, what cardinal sin are the Americans committing? I don't know, but they need to have all of those dairy products taken away from them. You're They're not to go on to- fruit. You'll need to explain yourselves. I can understand like whipped cream with yes. like something or like maybe a little bit of like sweetened cottage cheese or something like that. I am not making potato salad <laughs> with fruit. Pineapple pu- pineapple salad with mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> I love pineapple, but I will not be putting mayonnaise on that. I can barely handle bananas. Oh, like, bananas sensory. Can't do it. Like and peeled grapes. No, I, I like don't skin on my grapes. I don't have the patience to peel my grapes. I know. That's why I eat Can them you buy the them peeled? I don't think so. Oh. I do know it's a Halloween thing to like peel your grapes and then like eyeballs. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, okay, I Yucky. can kind of get on top of this. And then it was like marshmallows, and I'm like, it's because they threw marshmallows and everything. Um, and then it was like ambrosia can also include mayonnaise. And I'm like, I'm sorry, in what world? Not this uh-uh. one. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, no. If I had a meeting and I was like, there's ambrosia, like nobody in my family would fucking touch that. I just, I would assume it was a cocktail. Yeah, I just thought it was like lavender tea. Yeah, like I would like it's it's the butterfly PT and it, like it's blue and then you pour like the the lemon yeah. juice into it and it goes like pink. I would yeah. assume that's what it is. And then somebody yeah. hands me a fruit salad with mayonnaise dolled on top. <laughs> the, the face cat is making is so unhappy. I love mayonnaise. Like I will eat it by the spoonful, but I will not eat it. With fruit. What? <laughs> I can't complain. I do it with Vegemite. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm making a potato salad and I, you know, I've got to chuck in the mayonnaise, I will lick the spoon. See, my mayonnaise is made with aioli. I can't have aioli. It makes me poop. <laughs> <laughs> if You're that's welcome. A, if that's not the title of the podcast. <laughs> I can't have aioli. <laughs> It's not funny. I really like it. <laughs> no, it was just the nonchalant way you said that. You're like, no, 
I can't have mayo. I can't have mayo. It makes me poop. I'm crying. I'm so, I'm so broken. I'm so broken. Oh. Oh. Okay. Anyway. So, so the Bill is Bill is up talking about like who he is and all that kind of stuff. And one of Arlene Arlene's kids is like, <laughs> Mama, he's so white. And she's like, No, darling, we're white. He's, he's dead. dead. <laughs> he's dead. Oh. I oh, love how the I'm kids s- like, Mom, he's He's so, Mama. He's so white. No, no honey, we're white. He's dead. <laughs> oh uh, so God, Kat, well, I'm dead. <laughs> uh, I forgot. We forgot to mention that Jason before was like, Jason, Jason. having a fucking psychedelic trip outside, and it's kind of like he's looking at the world for the first time, like he's never seen it before. The grossest part of this is he goes to sit down next to Tara and he has this really graphic hallucination of a, like a sweat drop. Oh, down yeah, her yeah, like, like down that. her nape. I get because, why they did it. Yeah, because like it's Louisiana in the middle of summer and they've already said that like the when Dawn was killed that you know like this is a really stubborn, stubborn summer and they've got like the little Jesus fans and stuff like that. Jesus. And then it, Tara is fanning herself with a fan that's got Jesus on it. It's a Jesus oh, fan. It's a G- it's, church fan. Yeah, it's like it's a little, it's a little. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> fan thing with Jesus, um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm I'm still dead from I can't have it. It makes me poop. <laughs> um, but the, the, the hallucination, the hallucination Jason has of this little droplet is so visceral. Mm. It's it's such a fake. Like wet noise. It sounds like somebody made it with their mouth. <laughs> it doesn't sound Wait, like natural water. No, it's like oh, <laughs> I was like oh, my cheeks, <laughs> my cheeks. Oh god, we always say that the podcast is going to be unhinged, and this was a proper good one. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> um, yes. And then, yeah, so, like, there's other, they're talking to, the, the, the camera kind of pans across other people in the room, the rednecks weaponize the garlic, they're like, <laughs> as they walk in, they're talking about, like, did you leave the shit in the truck? And I'm like, what the fuck did you bring? It's literally a garlic crusher and fresh garlic. And I'm like really mad. That, <laughs> I'm really mad they wasted the garlic. This is why I couldn't be a vampire. I, I couldn't be allergic to garlic. I'd be so mad. They like I make my spag bowl and stuff, and it's like measure with your heart, and half the fucking jar of garlic goes in. It's like, Nyeh. did you say six tablespoons? Good. <laughs> it's like oh, two cloves of garlic. Okay, well here go like eight Ten. tablespoons. <laughs> here's here's an entire head of garlic. Um, and then yeah, so like the oh god, I can't talk. Um, the meeting wraps up, and hoi. And Maxine go up to Bill to have a photo because Maxine thinks that he's not going to appear in the photo. <laughs> oh, actually, I just wanted to mention that this is the first interaction that the town has had with Bill rather than Bill being in Merlot. Um, and it's quite an important interaction that attempts to humanise Bill because he's, you know, mainstreaming vampire. Um, there is still this prejudicial behaviour and we see Arlene with her kids and and whatnot um but you know it's really great to have this humanizing moment where he's making connections between past and present because he was there and so he makes that connection for them 
so I have this scene like everybody coming to the DJD to see Bill, Bill talk is interesting considering how many of them have given him shit. Yeah, exactly. But there's this really beautiful scene where the mayor has found a photograph that's like printed on tin or something like that. I've actually seen a um a, a way that they do it. Yeah. Um, and you had to sit there for like forty seconds while this oh. photograph developed on tin. Um. But the the man comes up and he's like, hey, I found this. I've been in the archives. It says um, family of W.T. Compton and children. Um, Is this you? And it's actually a photo that Bill hasn't seen since before his quote-unquote human life ended. Yeah. Um, And he is, like, looking back on it fondly. um, And it's really heartbreaking because you don't get a lot of pre-vampire Bill at the moment. Um, so you don't get to see, like, again, it's humanizing Bill, despite the fact that he is a festering axe wound of a human or yes. a vampire. Um, so, like, he's he's sitting there and he's like, thank you so much for this. It's not something that I often get to look back on. It's not a, a subject that I'm, you know, quite happy to talk about, but thank you. Um, yeah. And then we see he, like, wipes his eyes and then it cuts to his fist with a handkerchief of blood. So now we learn that vampires cry blood. Yes, which is really cool because I find that they're redesigning vampire myths at the moment. Um, I really, really like that, yeah. They're mm. sort of like, you've seen vampire movies and all that kind of stuff. That's, you know, like, that's why you covered up the cross and all that kind of stuff. I do like that Adele kind of, and they do mention this, was like, didn't think about having a vampire in a church. Yeah. Maxine literally mentions that. So it's like, <laughs> they are rebuilding this idea of vampires can go to church vampires he does kind of sniff at the garlic like he does yeah, he noticed yeah, that a little bit perturbed where he's like Ugh. yeah but you know like they cry blood and this kind of stuff and the way they die is so cool mm. um we still haven't seen a vampire die yet and no, i think I it happens wait. next episode and i'm really disappointed uh, it's taken six episodes to do it yeah i think next episode yeah um but yeah so it just it kind of it's rewriting and it's really really cool um, there's also a really touching moment where Terry finds Bill and hugs him. Yes. And he's like, vet to vet, stay strong. Miss um, Fortenberry obviously gets a photo and Sookie congratulates Bill and Sam gets possessive, putting his arm around her. They're talking about how they're going to go <laughs> get is, coffee. This is the biggest dick measuring contest. Oh, uh, yeah. But I love that Bill says, they're talking about something and Bill's like, you know, you shouldn't date your employees and you are, he's like, yeah, but we're not at work. And he's like, you are still legally her employer. <laughs> and I was like, Bill's got him there. Yeah, Bill's just like, I'm oh, no, sorry, you're her boss. Fuck off, get out. Fuck yeah, off. but they <laughs> leave and you can see Gran standing with Bill and I'm like, Gran is totally team Bill. <laughs> Gran is team Bill. Gran has a team Bill shirt somewhere. Right? She's got <laughs> 10 of them. She's the merch manager for it. <laughs> they've got a, they've got a, like, a stand up the back. It's like, team Bill shirts, $10. <laughs> team Bill shirts, $10. <laughs> and then it's like $600 for a team Sam shirt, so nobody buys one. Exactly. But they do have, a, again, a really bitchin' soundtrack that's just like being recorded at a home studio. Yes. God, I miss live gigs. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I'm going, to, I'm going to one this weekend, actually. I'm going to see Polaris at Hong oh, nice. Kong Unibar, if it's on. If it's on. We'll see. Uh, it's masks inside for New South Wales at the moment, so we'll see how that goes. It's a good thing we're recording this uh, yeah. away from each other. Yes. I have a note here that I hate stoned people, and I feel like it's because Jason, Jason. has gone <laughs> fucking done something. 
Um, I, feel, I feel like it's the hallucination of Tara sitting on the bar pouring water out of a jug. Oh, yeah, that was odd. I was like, ugh. But it's like because he's like, because Lafayette says to Jason before they take V that Lafayette, uh, that Tara was in love or has like held this torch for Jason for so long. And Jason's like, fuck, that just makes it even worse. And I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, you asshole. Um, Like, as if you're not smart enough to see that. Yeah, so now he's stoned. He's obsessed with her. Yeah. Which is, Um, as he makes his incredibly terrible declaration of love to her, she obviously knows he's high again. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, fucking Lafayette. And she's like, fucking Lafayette. Um, because Jason goes up and touches her arm and he's like, do you feel that? And then says, it feels like I'm peeing on an electric fence. (laughs) How romantic. I'm sorry, I just just took a mouthful of water and I had to stop it coming through my nose. (laughs) But yeah, so like, I just just have this note of I hate... Stoned people. I don't mind stoned people when I'm stoned. <laughs> but, but again, you're on their wavelength. If you're yeah, watching them the sober, level. if you're watching Ugh. them sober, it's like watching monkeys try to figure out the wheel. Yes, and that is Jason in this episode. Yeah, it's Jason in every episode. But you know, true. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> um. Uh. At this moment, Arlene brings Lafayette back a burger ordered by. Three rednecks that were at the church earlier, the ones with the garlic bread. Uh, garlic bread, I wish. Um, with the garlic crusher. Uh, they send it back because it might have AIDS. So Lafayette comes storming out, dumping their food. We've talked about this scene before about how much we love Lafayette because yeah. this scene is such like this beautiful image of Lafayette because he walks this line of feminine and masculine. Because yeah. he's got the he's got the head silk and all that kind of stuff, and he's always sort of walking quite feminine. Yeah, and then he comes out and he's like, "All right, who ordered the burger with AIDS?" And then just like nearly decks this dude and just really yeah. staunches up and acts this really macho masculine thing because he's probably used to having to defend himself. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, I, I think that if he had grown up being a rather feminine identifying man that he would have come into quite a lot of harassment and abuse. Well, it does come up later with his mother. Yeah. Yes, um, of course, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, the, the part I love about this is the redneck is like, I'm an American and I get a say in who <laughs> makes my food. And it's like, no, you fucking don't. Shut the no. fuck up. You got a say in who makes your food when you went to that particular restaurant. That is who you wanted to make your food. And the fact that it's 2008, and I think this is a reflection on um, particular small towns and ignorance. Yes. Because um, the fact that they didn't know that AIDS is manageable and they didn't know how AIDS are contracted. And so I think that, yeah, is a real big testament to how ignorance can fester into hatred. Well, the news this week in Australia, just on a small tangent, is that they're hoping to eradicate AIDS in Australia by, like, 2025. Uh, not AIDS, HIV. Fantastic. Um, because it's um, with PrEP and testing and yes, stuff like that, they're really hoping to get more on top of it and basically eradicate it. And as a country that has effectively eradicated, like, cervical cancer or something like that because of our vaccination programs... Oh, um, I'm not too sure on that because I think they stopped the vaccination program on cervical cancer. 
Oh, okay. Um, but we had it one. We had it, it was, one stage. Yeah, our um, years would have gotten it. Yeah. Um, but they had declared that it was basically, or it was the 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 strain of virus that caused it, or something yeah, like that that they H- eradicated. Yeah, they're working on HPV at the moment, which is the mm. main cause of cervical cancer. Yeah, uh, but that's what you get vaccinated against. So. Yeah. So this idea that like, yeah, these guys coming in being like, I don't want the burger with AIDS. I don't want the the um the burger made by this queer or whatever. And I I use queer in the derogatory, but I use it for myself. Yeah, me too. In the affirmative, <laughs> like I am constantly yeah. calling myself a queer. I am the weirdest queer I know. Um, I am the proudest. Well, one. You know what? We're all proud queers. Who cares about that bit? But again, it depends on how you use the word. I yeah, tend course. to use very ableist language about myself, um, but I wouldn't dare use it around anybody else. So, yeah. like, Lafayette coming out here and being like, uh-uh, I ain't taking this shit. Like, I can totally understand it. Yeah, and he also does call himself uh, a slur. Yes. he can- He's, and again, like... A- what I just said is I'm constantly calling myself ableist things, but it's like I have a, a sense of humor for myself yeah. about my conditions. But like I wouldn't go around saying the things that I call myself to anybody else because oh, they aren't no. they aren't dealing with my condition in the way that I am, and I'm not dealing with their condition, so I wouldn't do it. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, so like it's it's this really cool scene because Arlene's like, I don't want to do this, but this burger has been sent back. The chef needs to yeah. know about this, and set a. Lafayette is like, right, oh, I'm a, I'm a deal with this yeah. um, in the only way that these rednecks know how. Yeah. It's so sad. It's, it's, I think it's because I'm just, and I, I know you are too, a, a very empathetic person. And yes. seeing something like that is incredibly painful because you're just like, I don't want that person to, ha- I know that person is strong and taking on this experience, but that's going to have some trauma not trauma, but like a negative impact later on down the track when they've got to process that situation. And especially in 2021 where we have made so many strides in how, um, again, queer people are seen, how Mm. gay people are seen, all that kind of thing is that watching this and, again, context is everything, um, while that language was not exactly accepted but in more regular use, like in 2021 you were going to get decked. Uh, Yeah. Or just I'm a, told to fuck off. <laughs> I, must, I must say, though, I was watching True Blood the other day with Jason and Jason just wants a TV series about Lafayette. Uh, yeah, I'd pay for that. I would 100% pay for that. I will crowdfund that business right now. All I want is a TV show about Lafayette. But Lafayette's Alan Adventures. Has to write it. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, and it has to be that campy sort of style. We're going to need a lot of money. That's fine. I've seen Kickstarters go for stupider stuff. <laughs> Less achievable things. Jason Jason has gluttonous cube dice that were kickstarted for D and D. It's fine. We'll get we will get the Lafayette show kickstarted. Gluttonous, it's fine. Uh, gelatinous. Ooh, do they feel nice? No, they're like resin. But the 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 big gelatinous cube is like sixty mil by sixty mil. It's huge. Oh, it's a, that's cool. It's weighty. You could kill someone with it. Um, less about dice, more about Suki and Sam's date. Yeah, actually, in this, let's just merge the scene with Hoyt and his experiment with true blood. What did he expect it was going to taste? It's, so, it's blood. <laughs> so so he smells it. In He's getting out the marshmallow pineapple mayonnaise salad um, out of the fridge in the church. 
And there's the open bottle of true blood that Adele left with Bill because she's yeah. like, I left him one of those bottles of true blood that they like. Um, and it's sitting in the back of the fridge and Hoyt gets it. He opens it and sniffs it. And I'm like, what the fuck does this dickhead think it's going to smell like? It's synthesized blood. It's going to smell like iron. Yeah. Like it's not going to smell great. Yeah. And so he proposes that everybody gets a round of true blood. <sighs> and so, and so Tara comes out and she's like, and here's the true blood and there's no refunds on that. And Hoyt, yeah. picks it, Hoyt picks it up and he goes, oh, it's warm. And Tara's like, yeah, that's how it's served, 98.5 or whatever it is, like yeah. human temperature. And doing? I'm like. But I love you... that he also cheers as the lady that he had been hitting on earlier. And she was oh. like, oh, uh, no. Oh, God. I'm like, what did you expect? <sighs> but he's so innocent. It's kind of endearing because he's just like, I just want to see how they live. Like, you know, you've pro- I say this being you've a licked a paper myself. cut. Yeah, you have probably sucked your finger after you've cut yourself. You know what it tastes like, right? Obviously it's, not. I it doesn't. Know. It he's doesn't not, taste. Look, he's not. He's the Jason. Tool. He's Jason's friend. He's not the brightest bulb, but he's the. He's probably he's brighter than he, Jason. He's probably one of the more broken bulbs. Yeah. Also, this and, woman is uh, a a recent. Div- recent divorcee who's talking about her, her, her breakdown of her marriage which is rather interesting um <laughs> so sam and coffee uh, sam and coffee sam are coffee. having thoughts together sam Sookie and coffee are having and- so- having sookie <laughs> ah! um so and sam are having coffee and sam asks if she has listened to his thoughts um she said that yeah but unlike other people all I get from you is just odd sounds. And images. And yeah, like blurred images and stuff. Yeah. I think it's yeah. a really interesting look into what other soups think like. Yeah. Obviously you can't hear vampires. Mm-hmm. We don't know about any of the other soups at this point. Yeah. But all we have are shifters. And as far as we know, shifters are more human than vampires because they're not dead, but we don't know enough about them to sort of make that decision yeah brains do yeah so um knowing that sam barks in his sleep <laughs> um, my favorite <laughs> um yes yeah, sookie kind of talks around and uh turns around and says you know like you have you know you do thinking words and some stuff like that but sometimes it's um sounds and like familiar smells and things like that so things you would imagine a an animal smell, uh, you know, dreams in or thinks in because they don't think speak words. human. Yeah. Know, they don't speak English or, or whatever language I would assume an animal speaks. Um. My friend's dog <laughs> didn't speak English. She would only respond to stuff in Dutch. So she oh. only spoke Dutch. So because, oh, oh because- I thought you were talking... <laughs> I thought the dog spoke Dutch and I was like what no my friend's my friend's dog only spoke Dutch she only understood okay. Dutch because she had uh, my brain just English. did not process that at all my cats are bilingual um I speak I swear at them in Deutsch and <laughs> speak to them in English I just swear at my cats but I've got a I've got a fat bitch and a skinny bitch well, if you ever want to tell your cats to piss off in Deutsch, you can say butzti. Butzti. Yeah, it's piss off. 
Uh, my grandma says something else. Uh, she says out with you, but I don't know how to say that. Uh, Magdenflis is Hyman in Dutch. Uh, I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can say the C word in Deutsch. Please do. Uh, Fotza. Fotza. Yep. I'm never forgetting that one. <laughs> Fotza. Fotza. It's oh, a good one. Yes. I'm going to get away with that too. Thank you to my grandfather for only ever teaching me how to swear instead of being <laughs> fluent in German. No, no, no. You are being fluent in German. <laughs> he was like, this is all you need to know. Exactly. <laughs> Fotza. Oh, okay. You're just having people drive past your room. Oh. I just yeah. heard that. That's my neighbours doing burnouts. It's not. They're just driving up their driveway. <laughs> um, so Sookie and Sam are sort of wrapping up their date and Sam tells Sookie that he's kind of glad that he doesn't always read, that she doesn't always read his thoughts because then she would know what's coming next. And then he kisses her against the car. Cringe. And then he turns into a predator. Cringe. Um, because... <laughs> So he's like kind of into it and all that kind of thing. And then she's like, she's consensual. Yeah. And again, Sam knows how to wear a pair of jeans. Mm. Like, damn, son. Yeah. Um, And like, again, he is not an unattractive man. He is someone that he has a history with, all that kind of stuff. So there is probably uh, a spark there. Yeah. But as Suki explains, she's just come out of a relationship or she's just come out of this dating thing. And Sam gets like just edgy about it he's like god damn it Suki you know like he's bad for you what the fuck were you thinking all this kind of stuff and she's just (laughs) like dude I just didn't want to go any further like I was laying down the boundaries and he straight up he straight up just stomps over him and that's where I wrote him off I was like nah son yeah it's literally the day after Suki and Bill are no longer speaking to each other and so she's like no it's too soon and he gets upset when he you know, when she says that she had kissed Bill. They were dating. Yeah. And so, like, Sam has this kind of, like, ownership complex. Yeah. Um, That, one, he has no right to, and two, Suki tells him off for. Yeah. It's, and, and that's fair enough because, you know, um, Sam says to her, Suki, you have no future with a vampire. And she says, they don't die. I've got nothing but a future with one. Well, and like he also, she he also makes this thing about like um, how vampires only want to hurt each other and stuff like that. And he is like an inch away from mm. her face. He has her pushed up against the car. He's got both arms up against her. And all Suki says is like, "Yeah, and humans do too." Like you're making a pretty good example of that. Yeah. Like it is a scary turnaround. He turns really quickly. Yeah. He also questions her sexual activity with Bill. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, uh no, it is never okay. <laughs> I'm unless you are having that discussion explicitly with a partner. Yeah. Um, no, get fucked. Yeah. So she does the right thing and pretty much says, I'm gonna get a cab. And he yeah. yells, Don't be stupid, get in the car. Yeah, because I'm gonna get into a car I'm gonna get into a car with a man who damn Just call me fucking stupid. Me. Well also just damn near threatens violence that. on me. Like Absolutely the fuck not. <laughs> no, thank you. I ain't stupid. That's why I ain't getting in the car. Exactly. Um, so I really love this because Bill is walking home and as he approaches his house, he sees his family sitting on the porch. Um, 
and at that moment Andy and he kind of has like a really sad moment and I was yeah. like oh he's really lonely isn't he it's, it's that flashback to the photograph and him like kind of mm. he's accepted his human life and he was making you know he was in a relationship and that kind of stuff and I think momentarily he probably forgot about his family because he yeah. found something he could like latch onto but now that the mayor has given him that photo and it's kind of rekindled all of those feelings and especially the guilt he felt. Yeah. Um, which gets explained further into the series. Um, yeah, this this hallucination he's having is really understandable and it's really sad. Yeah, I really like this episode for the effort that they put in to humanise Bill and to show us, hey, he is human. Yeah. In like, all that, intents and purposes, not like not, functioning. Not that, <laughs> not, not that it works all that well because he sort of just, t- again, turns into a possessive dick like three episodes down the track. True. Very but true. there is a good <laughs> effort to humanise him. They did all right. Uh, Andy and Bud show up asking to speak with him. Um, he's surprised to hear Andy's last name is Belfour and knew that said that he had known um, his grandparents or great-grandparents or something. And yep. he invites them in and offers them a fresca, which I'm guessing is like a... Um, like it's a, like a it's like a seltzer. Oops. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just knocking things over on my desk. Goodbye. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's like it's like a yeah. flavored non-alcoholic seltzer. Yeah, that's what I thought it was, and I love that um, Bud's like, "What are you doing?" And he's he like, offered. "What?" He offered, and he's like, "He's a suspect," and he Bud says, "To you, he is." Yeah. So I love this because it's a real like comparison against Bud thinks he's Bud thinks Bill is the murderer because he's a vampire and he makes like little fang <laughs> he goes he's a vampire and he's like <laughs> he's like whispering but he's making like little fangs with his fingers it's <laughs> like, so thanks funny. For that. but andy andy doesn't believe that bill is yeah the the murderer because the only connection they have is that all of the women who have been murdered so far have been with vampires but they've also been with jason within a couple of hours of being murdered that's the yeah. more compelling evidence Exactly, so, and Bill does go on to say that he didn't know more debt, but had seen Dawn at Merlot's. Yeah. Um, so I love that this is like they've both got evidence for their theories, but Bud's is kind of more working on racism. Yeah. Because Bud is openly prejudicial to vampires, like in yes, several very. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so they go through it all and they talk to Bill about, like, how he's seen people or who he's seen, all this kind of stuff, and, yeah, he explains that he's seen Dawn at Merlots, but he didn't see Mordette. Um, And then he kind of has this flashback into when the war ended. Yeah. So we see Bill stumbling through the dark during the war and comes across a cottage and knocks on the door asking for help. He breaks in and a woman puts a rifle to his head. She then does the right thing and helps fix him up and gives him something to eat. <sighs> one of the things, one of the things I noticed about this, if you look at Bill in the scenes where he is a vampire and the scenes where he's flashing back, he looks. It is a credit to so their different. makeup. It is a credit to their a credit to their makeup department because he has. A, sometimes the makeup when he's a vampire is a little bit cakey for my liking. It's a little. Yeah dodgy yeah yeah like they have it they have it moisturized him around the t-zone and stuff like that it's a little cakey but when when you've got this this image of where he's talking he's like eating this food with this like delirious hunger and he's talking about how the war ended and this woman is like talking about how she's considered herself a widow for quite a while not she hasn't heard from her husband he's got color 
looks so yes. different. He looks alive. And, like, just, despite the fact that he's on death's door because he's been lost and starving and dehydrated, he's got colour in his cheeks. He's yeah. got... He's got, you know, an even complexion or an uneven complexion because that's what you've got when you're alive. Shit doesn't match. It is no. not just drained. <laughs> I mean, unless unless you're a moon tanner like I am and it's all just one pasty white. But, like, he's – I love I love this. It's such a credit to the makeup team and how they do. Yeah. Like, he looks like a totally different person. He does. It's insane how different they make um, Stephen Moyer look. Yeah, absolutely. And you I don't, don't I don't notice it. I don't notice the change that much with Eric though. And Alexander yeah. Skarsgard when Maybe they do his He's flashbacks. just a very pale person as well. <laughs> he's just yeah, he's just a very pale person in general. Um, he's but yeah, that was, he's gonna be pale. <laughs> but that was just something I mentioned. And the faces you were pulling out, but you're like, yes. Yes. He looks so good. He's very handsome. Yeah, that's the thing. And like we were talking about this a few episodes ago. It's like he is the most unattractive person in this cast of attractive people. Yeah, but you look at him there, and you're like, mm, okay, yeah, I can, I can understand, understand why. Him. Yeah, like why Anna Paquin is married to him. Yeah, I'm I sure he has a delightful personality and wonderful conversation skills, but like you know, I get it. And a British accent. And a British accent, which which helps. <laughs> um. So she's white. Uh, the lady uh, who we find out her name is Lorena. And she wipes the blood off Bill and suggests that he spend the nights. Spend the night. She goes in to kiss him and he pulls away, saying that he has a wife waiting. She says, you're an honourable man, but the others um, haven't always been. He doesn't want to sully their reunion. Yeah. is what he says. And I love that. I really like the language they use. They really, it feels like they put in the effort to really research how people would have, the vernacular for them. Yeah, and then Lorena turns out to be a bitch. Yes, because she's Which is a running theme. <laughs> yeah. He thanks her again and says that he's going to leave. She cuts him off at the door, bangs bad, and she absolutely gnaws into his neck. Uh, he wakes up in bed with puncture wounds on his neck um, and Lorena sitting over him and the corpses of others laying around. Ew. And again, he changes the makeup changes again to he's looking a little bit more gaunt. He's very pale because he's basically being drained of his blood. Yeah. Um, and Lorena's like, none of the other men were worthy. I've been waiting a lifetime to meet a man like you. Mm. Drink of my blood so we can be together forever, basically. Yeah. It's a very evil villain speech. Yeah, it was just like, oh, because she said, um, so she climbs on top of him, cuts her throat, and tells him that he has to drink if he wants to live. He does, and she says um, he's hers. Now, there's um, a scene adjacent to this where Bill is talking about needing to go home to his family, and Lorena um, does take him back to his home for one last look at his family, which is super sad. And that's- I So the reason I hate that is because Lorena dangles Bill's family in front of him when she's like, if you don't drink of me, you're never going to see your family again. You're going to be dead, but I'm giving you this chance to see them again. And then like he turns, she turns him and she's like, well, I'll see them again. Sorry. You can look at him, but you can't go in. Mm. And she says, you know, you, uh, you know, you can never enter. Do you wish to see them grow old, grow feeble and die while you remain the same year after year? And Bill says, they are my family. And she says to him, they are good as dead if they are found harboring a vampire. I bought you here and now it's time for us to go. Come. 
really hate Lorena. She's such a good character. <laughs> She's written really well. She's written so I I love all the characters you are meant to hate. And I yeah. hate all the characters you're meant to root for. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like secretly rooting for Lorena. You're like, yes, go, bitch. Um, so. Uh, I hate this part. I hate this part. Oh, we're not up to it just yet. I know. Um, so Bud and Andy leave. They're awkward as fuck, as always. And um, we see Tara taking the trash out at Merlot's and she oh, that's right. is panting. So she explores and discovers Jason on the ground with a divorcee that Hoyt had been hitting on bent over in front of him. No, I still hate this part. Yeah, he graciously invites Tara to join them and Tara can't believe what she's seeing and douses them both in the garbage she's carrying unfazed. They continue. And they continue so awkwardly. More awkward, unrealistic sex. Yes, yeah. It's, dude, you would end up with a broken dick if you fucked like that. It happens. Thanks. Look, I've this isn't research I've done for the podcast. This is research that has happened throughout my morbid curiosity of all the things that can happen oh. to a human body. Um, <laughs> penises break. Uh, it is technically a soft tissue issue. Um, Interesting. But yeah, that's a, that's a, you can technically break a penis. Uh, it's because it's because the pressure applied. Learn with Addy, kids. Um, it's because the pressure applied to the penis is too much, and the the penis. I'm making right angle. I can I can see. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm making right right angled angle wrist movements. <laughs> yeah, it sort of breaks. Oh, okay, and it just like crushes the soft tissue. Yeah, basically, yeah. and you know sometimes it requires surgery, and sometimes it's like splints and. Oh my goodness. Don't yeah, kids like have 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 fun, consensual, enthusiastic sex. Just try not to break stuff. Don't break a dick. Don't break a dick. Um, unless it's fake, it can be replaced and ordered. Yeah, unless you can like reorder it online. Um, that's fine. Especially if it's like a BBC, you'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Don't think you can break one of those. I don't think so either. (laughs) Um, Oh god. Okay, so now we're talking about the part I hate. I know. I'm going to try and avoid it. Um, After after talking about penis breakages and BBCs, here we go. um, So Suki arrives home uh, after her date with Sam and slips on blood in her kitchen. She fumbles around and turns on the light switch to find her grandmother lying on the floor covered in blood. Adele's... I think throat was slit. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a way to end the episode because like yeah. and I love it because it's so Adele heavy. Yes, exactly. You go back and you watch it and you're like, you don't see this much of Adele in an episode. And then they go and kill her. Maybe it's a formula. <laughs> you just get a whole <laughs> bunch of people and then they kill it. So no, like, you just so, see heaps of a person in an episode and then they're dead at the end. So Suki's next. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we got eight seasons okay, or seven seasons of True Blood in that. I never yes. said I was good at science. <laughs> causation does not correlation does not equal causation. No. <laughs> but yeah, so this is a she it's 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 it flashes back to Suki's face, and we said that like most of the episodes we've watched end on Suki's face. Yeah. Um and Suki doesn't scream. She d I don't think she screams, she just looks stunned at the sight. Like, like is this a dream? 
Yeah, because when she found Dawn, she screamed. When she's yeah. found when she's found other things, she's kind of had this visceral reaction. Whereas this was nothing. Everything stopped. And mm. like I've I've had these moments where like you hear someone close to you has died and everything sort of stops. Yeah. Or you have interactions with people who are passing away or something like that and it stops. Um so it's really, really interesting to stop here because it is such a cliffhanger and they always end on this cliffhanger with Suki. The next episode is really, really interesting. Yeah. I just hate that they killed Adele. I I love her so much. She's so fantastic. She'd gossip and bring biscuits. Yeah. She's a kind of grandma. She's a kind of grandma I'd like. I mean, I do have a really cool grandma. I wouldn't mind another grandma. Yeah, another one. Yeah, but like you'll see, like earlier in the episode where she's on like the phone, she's like serving Suki <laughs> eggs, and so, the phone's ringing, and Adele is like holding it, and so he's like, oh, "You gonna get that?" It's ringing, and she's like, "No, the machine will pick it up. It's fine. Let's let's sit here and keep talking." I don't want to hear it's these fine. people. I don't want to hear no. them anymore. Okay, so that is Sad. season five. Uh, season five, episode five, sparks fly out. If it was season five, God, I'd have I was to asking where I was for the last <laughs> three seasons. <laughs> I would have so many more opinions. Um, <laughs> this this episode would be four and a half hours long. Um, what do you think? Um, this episode really breaks my heart um, because of Bill. Yep. And that little humanizing aspect they do give us of him. And, I mean, they do do that for a lot of the vampires. We do see their human stories. Their backstory, yeah. Yeah, and I, I do love that exposition that they carry throughout the entire series um bill is obviously the first vampire that we meet so therefore his story's first which is yeah it's really interesting and because the other vampires are all everyone comes from all these different times and cultures and and backgrounds and it's really awesome to see how they've kind of shaped the vampire that they've become yeah like bill probably not so much a conservative anymore still has conservative values but you know doesn't do anything that is overtly dangerous for others besides be a vampire besides be a vampire (laughs) yeah and of course losing Adele and we you know we do we do meet a lot more of the characters we see more of Renee and Hoyt um which is important for later seasons it's building it's building up that world a little bit more while really jumping the plot ahead because Adele's Adele's death also really sticks out Mm. because she's not a young woman who has been known to have sex with vampires i mean if that was yeah. what adele was doing adele can get it um <laughs> but like she doesn't fit the profile of what dawn and mordette did so adele sticks out as well so it's kind of building the the plot a lot more than you know episode two and episode three did yeah um and it's really driving that sort of plot of what's happening with the vampires and what's happening with the vampire sympathizers yeah now hey adele's dead what does this mean yeah, exactly. I I really I really like this episode. Yeah. Um, as I think sad as it is, <laughs> as sad as it is, and I think that's important because it's like like I said, it's this juxtaposition between life and death. Yeah, they're talking. You know, um, Lafayette's talking about life and how important life is and all that kind of stuff, and it ends with death. Mm. It is a full circle of that kind of thing. Maybe I'm just reading too far into it. 
Well, there's also that whole um, theme of safety, you know, at the start of the episode where Sookie's talking about how she's not safe with vampires and then, you know, the cops are talking about how these women knew vampires so therefore, you know, they've died because they know a vampire. And then Adele, who doesn't really have anything to do with vampires, ends up dead. So what does that say for people's safety? And, like, Sookie's biggest safety is now gone. Yeah. She found so much safety and comfort in her grandmother. Like, she's not necessarily super close with Jason at this point mm. um, that we can that we can see. So Adele dying is a big catalyst for Suki's world to be shaken up. Yeah. And the next few episodes are going to be really interesting and really exciting. I really love the, the, the last two episodes of this season. They're yep. probably my favourite for this season. I'm really looking forward to the Carrie moment with the vampire death. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Because because we haven't seen a, we haven't yes. seen a vampire die yet. So Oh yes. So we're gonna have I think next episode's more Eric, more Pam, more Fantasia. Yeah, again, building up the vampires and like building up this world again. Yeah. The the next episode is just really, really funny and we learn more about the dynamic with Eric and Pam and I'm like I just want you to be my parents <laughs> can you be my mum and dad except not because I find them really sexy <laughs> stupid sexy parents stupid sexy parents <laughs> <laughs> well we will yes. see you next episode for the stupid sexy parents <laughs> that's what the next episode can be called stupid sexy parents <laughs> tune in next week <laughs> bye, bye.